Academy episode 14. It's all those little components added together to, to make it, you know, that special experience. And, and so many of my, my colleagues say, oh, we have loyal customers. And, and no, you don't. You just need to look at the oil sticker and see it's not yours. And, you know, they're not loyal. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers, to the matching audio podcast of the Town Hall Academy video on customer retention strategies. Carm Capriato here, your host. Hey, we take a single topic each week with an industry panel and broadcast live Fridays at 12 noon Eastern on my webinar platform and on Facebook. You can learn all about connecting at the URL, remarkableresults.biz slash townhall. The show notes for this Town Hall Academy is at remarkableresults.biz slash A014. And there, you'll find additional guest bio information and the talking points. Hey, every video academy session is on my website's learning page. And now you have the additional resource of having the Town Hall as a podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Spreaker. And if you have my iOS or Android app, it's free. You'll find the Academy episodes there also. I understand that not everyone has the time to sit in front of a video screen or to be on Facebook. Because our lifestyles make podcasting a powerful digital medium, you can fit podcasts in to your day seamlessly. They're portable and easy to find. My passion is to be the catalyst for the storehouse of wisdom and knowledge that exists in the aftermarket and serve it up for you in this powerful digital audio space. Thanks for being here and by your support, we keep the wheels turning for both you and me. Now listen to customer retention strategies that work with my guests, including Gene Morrill from Certified Automotive in Glendora, California. Gene won Motor Age's Top Shop 5 out of 7 years. And Ron Hagen, owner of Westside Auto Pros in Des Moines, Iowa, celebrating their 20th year in business in 2017. Ron is co-chair of Vision High Tech Training and Expo and president of the Des Moines ASA chapter. And also business coach, trainer, and industry speaker, Malin Newton from ESI, Educational Seminars Institute. Malin is no stranger to the power of the customer as he speaks and trains on professional business development, Service Writers School of America, and in-shop training and support. Now, enjoy the lesson. Boy, I'm going to get right to it. Gene... Is it important to understand the profile and who you're really trying to serve as a customer? Well, in my opinion, absolutely. Um, We kind of call them PCs, you know, our perfect customer. We want to try and make sure that the customer we're trying to retain is the customer that will return, believe what we tell them, and do the recommendations that, you know, we are recommending to keep them safe and reliable in their car on the road. So, um, and, and that's a challenge in itself. And every shop will be different, of course, because of their demographics. The ty- a BMW shop's not going to want a Chevy customer and, and vice versa. So um, it's really important to I, I profile is probably a poor word, but I, I call it profile your customer database and and pick out the ones that you want to come back. I've heard the word and in podcasting. We use the word avatar. So we really know who we're speaking to. And uh, some shops actually try to find a cardboard cutout of that person and they put it in the back room so that their team knows when that person walks in the door, you know, it could be soccer mom, four kids, you know, 
Chrysler minivan, uh, earns this much money, lives in this kind of neighborhood, has this many children. That in, is that what you're talking about in, in that level of depth to under, to know? Absolutely. You know, the, the, the type of car, where they live, are they in a community? For me, once I get past four miles in distance, my return rate drops off 80%. So I don't, you know, those type of customers, I'm not going to try and retain. And something I learned from all the coaches and 20 groups and everything over the years, everybody thinks we need tons of customers to retain. And that's why I love models. And if you take 600 customers that have two cars and they visit your shop two times a year and you can get them to spend an ARO of 420 each time they come in, you have a million dollar a year shop with 600 people. Isn't it nice to work the numbers to, to, to back into it and then, you know, have your daily nut in front of you and you know what it is. And not only on that financial perspective, the customer retention piece that, that I'm excited about talking today is, Gene, when that person walks in the door, you know it and you want them to be a customer, right? Because they meet your profile, if you will. Absolutely. And, and the biggest, I think, mistake and that I made for years and a lot of owners make is putting the why into what you're doing with your staff. And, and if your staff isn't on board and they don't understand, then the, the show, I call it, is, is put on very poor and uh, everybody can go anywhere and get their car fixed. But we want them to feel comfortable. We want them to know that, that we're going to do everything in our power to keep them safe on their vacation, taking their kids to school. Um, we're involved with the community. We're here for them and not just to, to shake down their wallet. We now have this profile, this avatar of our perfect customer that uh, lends itself to retention because they're compatible with what you do, but there's so much more to it. Now, Ron, um, social media, does social media play a factor in retention? Oh, it's huge. You, you know, where that comes from is, is some of the stuff we've already, already been talking about, you know, you know, being active in your community and, you know, out and about and doing stuff. That's how you tell people you're doing that. They're on social media. That platform continues to grow and different platforms within social media continue to grow. But that is the single biggest place that you can stay in front of somebody. And, and that ultimately is what, what it's about retaining customers. People aren't as loyal as they used to be, not because they don't want to be loyal. We're just busy. There's a lot going on. You want to be in front of them so that when their car does need something, needs an oil change, the check engine light comes on, it quits running, all of a sudden you're top of mind awareness. And you can do that with direct mail, but they're driving down the road and the car quits running, they might not think of the postcard. That everybody's got their smartphone they carry around now. Uh, you look at social media, I mean, people go there for recommendations. Hey, uh, my water heater is leaking, who would you recommend? And in about 16 seconds, they've got 12 recommendations. So that social media platform, I, I am so excited about it. I, I for, for a minimal amount of expenditure, I can stay in front of not only my existing customers, but I can out, get out in front of potential new customers. I love your uh, social stuff, Ron. I follow you, and you you never cease to amaze me with organic content. It's the stuff that happens in the shop. Ron doesn't seem to have to go anywhere else, but in his incredible swirling world, if you will, <laughs> And you, you take pictures of stuff and you send it out. And, and I, and I think about, here's what I think. I think about if I was a customer of yours, because I always try to put myself in, in the next pair of shoes. 
I was a customer of yours, would I be moved by the post? And I think you do just an excellent job with that. Just to elaborate briefly on that, uh, Carm, it's social media. It's not sales media. So, you know, to put on there, I've got buy three, get one free struts or oil changes are $12.95. People don't want to see that stuff. They're not going there to be sold. And, and so I do look at the organic stuff and, 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 you know, I'm kind of, you know, a little bit of a prankster, a jokester, a humorous guy. And I play off that on there as well. But um, it, it's about staying in front of them and, and, and being in front of them. And, and, and the organic content's the key. We rarely will you see me try to sell something on there because I want to do that. I go to a sales media. When I see Ron's come up and I'm scrolling and I look to see what car is going to be on one of your tow beds, you know, you, it's it's a really cool thing you have going there. Every once in a while, a really different type of car or a different situation would be on the back of one of the tow trucks uh, on the flatbed and you'll take a picture of it and post it. I wait for those. When you go to organic and, and you try to approach social media that way, you can't hire some out-of-town firm for 250 bucks a month to do it for you. I mean, you've got to do it yourself, so it takes time. It's work, but I think it pays off. Malin, in all of your years of being out there and talking to the, the world of the service professional, what do you tell them about making their customers feel special? Well, Ron kind of touched on that a little bit. Of It's social, and I truly believe the relationship is what brings people back to you. You know, um, you mentioned earlier the Disney experience. You don't go to Disneyland because of the price. And to be honest with you, it's not really that much fun for a parent. But you go there because the experience, it's clean, it's well-maintained, the people are nice to you. And we are so busy fixing cars that we forget it's about the people. And I'm a firm believer if we make the people feel special, they'll spend money with you. And that's that's what I mean by that is, is we focus on fixing the cars we don't focus on the people who own the cars. And, you know, it's like you said, Carm, you look forward to his posts because they're different. It's not a sales ad. We get thousands of those every day, you know, thousands of sales impressions every day. It's the personal ones that make you go, wow, that's kind of a cool car. Boy, I'm glad I'm not that person. That makes them think about you and they look forward to the next post. I mean, think about how many people have actually said, how many people have come to you, Ron, and say, I look forward to your next post. Oh, I have heard that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that means we're doing the right things because we're now making it something they look forward to. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't really look forward to commercials, but that's what most of us are running, correct? You know, so it's it's about the relationship. It's about looking them in the eye and having a good time and being your own personality. You know, the, the jokester part of you, that's what people look forward to. And that's why they come back to you, not because you can fix their car. Because I'm fairly sure there's a lot of people in your area that can fix the car, just like there is in jeans. And, you know, there's 40,000 repair shops in California. What makes you different? You know, he said the word engagement. And uh, when I think about social media and I think about a single picture post, uh, you know, what kind of words can you generate? What kind of feelings can you generate? What kind of retention strategy can you have to engage your customer in a single picture? Worth a thousand words and a thousand feelings. You said something before, look them in the eye. Well, by, by the way, I spent some time at the Disney Institute, and they were telling us about their struggle of coming up with their customer service strategy. And I mentioned this in another episode, and I can't remember which one. And they told us about these three-day seminar. They brought in thousands of people, and they ended up distilling it down that their customer service creed that they would teach every one of the 
um, I think they call them actors. Or, cast members. I'm sorry, cast members. Thank you very much. Is look them in the eye and smile. And they, they distilled it down to something that raw. Can you create with all of this right customer service and the show, but the show is real, it's genuine. Can you create customers for life today? Or is it just, like you said, Ron, they're, they're too busy and sometimes they're driving by a place they've been to before and they pull in to get work done. Where's the loyalty? I'm, I want to talk about if, if, if there's customer retention, is there a loyalty piece built into that? Let's start with Gene. Well, I, I'm challenged with the loyalty thing because I think uh, it's not there um, as much as it as it used to be. I think it's a case by case basis. Every time that customer comes in, they need to be made uh, to be special. You know, felt like there's a special experience that time because if they don't have that, then they're they're searching. And we kind of cheat because I have a really good service advisor, Jeff, that's been there 14 years and he knows most of the customers. So I put a camera facing the parking lot with a big screen TV for my advisor. So when the customer pulls up, he looks up and says, hey, everybody, that's John coming in. So when John comes in, it's Norm. Hi, nice to see you. Everybody knows John's name. And he's made to be spelt, felt special before he even gets into the door. So that's kind of a a little way that a component that we add, but it's all those little components added together to, to make it, you know, that special experience. And, and so many of my, my colleagues say, Oh, we have loyal customers and, and no, you don't, you just need to look at the oil sticker and see it's not yours. And you know, they're not loyal. I love it. I just saw it so Disney ish by, you know, engaging just like get cheers. Norm. Love it. Great idea. Ron, loyalty, customer retention, are, do, are they together? Well, certainly they're together. Uh, I, I think loyalty goes with generational. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think younger generations, and I'm not knocking them, uh, but, but I think they're less loyal than older generations. And, and it's not that they don't want to be loyal. It's just not built into them that way. And so, you know, if you've got a, a customer that, that, that knows you, loves you, trusts you, uh, they may or may not come to you for their oil changes. They might be driving down the road and buy one on impulse from a quickie lube. I mean, they're out there. I call it cheating on you. And, and, and they go out there and they cheat on you, but they don't view that. They're, they don't even think of you. They don't view that they're cheating on you. So, you know, again, they want to be loyal, but it's up to us to stay in front of them and keep them focused to be loyal. I love his point, Gene, about cheating. It's so you know, almost the strategy would be, how do we, how do we get them not to cheat? The loyalty has gone more towards convenience, like Ron says, that if you can't make it convenient for them when they need it convenient, then they will go somewhere else. And and if they need breaks right now and you take all day to do a break job, then they're going to take it somewhere else that'll do it quicker because they think it's just a simple, you know, break service. And, and, and we run across that. So convenience, I think, is everything. And that's taking the place of the loyalty word. So does convenience have everything to do with Monday through Friday, eight to five? Um, in my shop, that's the hours we're open and we make it convenient in other ways, you know, night drop offs. They have access to a cell phone that they can call me if it's an emergency and we can talk it through. And if it is an emergency, we have friends we can send them to on a weekend. And, um, but for the most point, uh, if you make it convenient with them just to talk to you, have access to your shop or somebody, 
then that's super helpful. Malin, you uh, spend some time on the counter out there to keep yourself fresh all the time. Customer loyalty, uh, retention, how's that mix in your head? Well, I think it's absolutely generational. You know, the older generation, loyalty was something they valued. The younger generation, it's all about what dinged on their phone in a lot of cases. But I also think it is about us not treating them properly because we don't, you know, my son's a millennial and he drives me absolutely crazy the way he does things. But he still has lots of money. You know, he's driving a $60,000 car and he needs service. So, you know, I look at it as as a repair shop. How do I get him to be loyal? Well, I need to make him feel special. I need to make his car special. I mean, that's his child. He wants it taken care of. So I think loyalty can be earned, although it's different now than it ever was in the past. And it's more about how they feel than about what most of us who have been in this business a long time think generates loyalty. Uh, it goes back to the right social post. It goes back to texting them instead of calling them. Uh, it goes back to making them feel very special, even though in the grand scheme of things, they're starting out as that unloyal customer, but treat them like they're loyal. Gene, you're, you're building a great level of the experience in, in minute one in, inside the shop. I'm, I'm making an assumption that through the entire process, you've got quality controls of everything getting done right, communications with the customers. I'm not sure if you're doing DVI yet, but that's a, a big piece of building intimacy. And when I think about beginning, middle, and end, in the end, are, are we as an industry doing enough to explain what we really did and what the job was really about? And does that help if we do it right and we do it thoroughly? Does that help with retention, you know, the, 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 the warm feeling that I paid some pretty decent money, but I got some really good stuff. Is that, is that important? Well, and of course, uh, value and the features and benefits of your company are, are everything and they need to be um, regurgitated over and over and over through the whole process. Um, we started a, a little campaign now because, you know, we'll put on wiper blades for free labor sometimes, or we'll put in a, um, an air filter for no labor charge if it's an easy one. And we put a, a dollar value to that. And we started putting a little sticker on, on the invoice stating that you saved $9 for these wiper blades and $9 or $10 for an air filter labor that we didn't charge you for. We add it all up and sometimes it can be $30, $40, $50. And so when they come in, everything that we've done for that no charge, tire rotation, whatever, you highlight in green. So the first thing the customer sees is all the value you've given them and the money they've saved. And then you go on to explain the services and the benefits of the service. And if we put brakes on, we try and hand them a little, what's next piece of paper. Your brakes sometimes will smell funny. You might see some little steam coming out of the wheels. Don't panic, that's normal. Because if you don't explain that, they're going to think you did something wrong. And the same with the check engine light, because you fixed one thing doesn't mean in a week another thing's going to fail and it's going to come on again. And to a customer, the check engine light's one thing. It's a, you know, a, a failure. It's not multiple things that cause that. So, you know, having your staff being really tuned in to, to talk to the customer and explain those benefits is, is vital. Ron, same with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I echo uh, a lot of what Gene said and, and agree with a lot of what Malin said. Um, you know, we, we have to remember 
who we're targeting and who our audience is and, and, and who we're wanting to retain as customers. And just because I believe or don't believe in something doesn't mean that isn't what my customer wants. I'm not targeting a 52-year-old guy that owns an auto repair shop. That's not who I'm targeting for a customer. So I shouldn't be doing advertising and marketing that appeals to me. I've got to get down to their level and, and work with them. You know, they want to be texted. You know, to be quite honest with you, if I was a customer and had my car in a shop, I want you to text me too. I don't want you to call me. You know, we're starting to adapt to their ways and stuff. So um, we, we, we do need to, to, to show them value, but we, we also need to become like them, I guess, for lack of better words. Malin, do you have a reply to that, uh, my, my piece at the beginning and how important is the, 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 you know, pay the invoice, walk them out to their car. How important is that for retention? I think it's the most important part. The point of taking their money and delivering the car is the thing they're going to remember the longest. So explain the bill to them, show them the no charge things that you did. You know, I've been an advocate of that for 30 years is put a charge on it and show a negative amount. So they see that you did something for free to build the value. But most importantly, it's making them feel like they made a good decision to have you repair the car, walk them out to the car, shake their hand, give them a clean car back, explain the bill to them. Because I can't tell you the number of times I've been in a shop and had a customer call out and go, Hey, my wife picked the car up and I don't understand what you guys did. And now they're seeing less value. They spent a lot of money and it doesn't really matter what the dollar amount was. It was a lot of money to them. And if we don't do a good job of explaining what we did and why we did what we did. And, you know, as Gene said, here's what you can expect. And even to the point of what we didn't fix, the things that we talked about that they chose not to repair today, we have to go over that. So when they walk out the door, they know they didn't fix everything on the car. But, you know, you think about the best customer service you have. You know, I spend money with a certain hotel chain because when I walk through the front door, as Gene said, they know my name. But they also know the kind of room I want. They know which side of the building I want it on. They, they have my particulars, as Gene said. They've done their research through my stays. I don't think of anybody else. If there's, their hotel was in a reasonable distance of where I'm at, I don't call anybody else. And price becomes less of an issue because I want that comfort. Mm -hmm. I want to feel special. One of the things that Ron said I think is very important. It should be in bold letters. What we want is not what they want. That is a big problem of ours because we are the automotive experts. We think that everybody wants what we have. They don't. So what do we do as a team? You know, Team Haugen, Team Marill. What, what do you do when you sit down with your, with your team and say, what aren't we doing that our customer wants? I, I mean, first off, make sure you have a diverse team. Don't have a team of people just like you. Have a team of people like your customers and then listen to them. Here's a great example. Um, I don't know if you were going to go here or if I'm jumping the gun, but um, we implemented a rewards program about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And I don't have a rewards program. I mean, I do through like the airlines, uh, but that's all that was important to me. But you see people walk around, they got these little tags on there, the, the Petco Pals, they can save 5% on dog food or three cents off a gallon of gas. That was all hype. None of that meant anything to me. And to be quite honest with you, I thought it was stupid to carry all that stuff around. Who's going to track it? How am I going to know I got it? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, two of my employees, one of them was my service advisor. 
had told me a couple of times, hey, we should look into a rewards program. Hey, we should look into a rewards program. And it didn't mean anything to me, so guess what we did? We didn't look into a rewards program. I didn't listen to them. And then a company contacts me, and they've got this rewards program, and they want to give me the pitch on it. And I'm like, okay, let's do a webinar. I'll have a couple of employees in. And I'm, I'm watching it. They're, they're doing their presentation, and it still doesn't mean anything to me. But then it gets to the towing part. If you're part of our rewards program, you're in our towing network. If somebody breaks down in your area, you're going to be called for the towing. I'm wanting to grow my towing business. So now they got my attention. And I joined it solely for the towing part of it. The rewards was secondary. My employees implemented the rewards part. And I'll be honest with you, now today, I ain't gotten squat off of this towing deal. But the rewards are huge. To see people come in and, and watch my front counter people. You, you know, the other day I, I heard Heather tell somebody he was in for an oil change and he needed seven or $800 worth of work. And, and he was kind of him hawing around. And she said, she goes, she goes, well, you got $63 in your rewards account. We can apply that today. Oh yeah, go ahead and do it. There, just what I said earlier, just because I don't believe in it doesn't mean it isn't what people want. And I did not believe in the rewards program. I got into it for the wrong reason. And it's phenomenal. And you want to talk about a tie-in, a lockdown on your people for retention, start giving them money to come back to you. Gene, touch your customers regularly. That was one of the talking points that, that you had. What do you mean by that? I'm kind of an old school guy. And um, in our demographic, that still flies really well. And uh, when I say touch our customers regularly, we want like Ron said earlier, to, for people to think of us when they did an oil change or breaks or their car breaks down. We send a hard newsletter in snail mail to our best customers because we try and, and, and we put, per, you know, really touching personal information in it about our family and our employees and our friends. We still send um, a snail mail reminders. Now, setting the expectations, like Ron says, when they come in, you got to find out, do they want a phone call? Do they want an email? Do they want a text? And from then, your tone is set for that customer. And then make notes in your notes section, how they want to be contacted, if they like golf, if they have a new grandchild, you know, anything like that, that when they come in and you look at the, the notes section, you know, hey, John just got back from Hawaii. You can ask him how his trip to Hawaii was. And they're like, wow, you guys are magic. And then the last uh, thing that's super important is a lot of people name their cars. And if you know the name of their car, when it comes in, you are a hero and little Scooter or little Johnny or whatever they name the dang car is they're never going anywhere else because you know the name of their car. Wow. My daughter's a millennial and she's named her car. Yeah. Interesting. It's all about the detail. It's all in the customer notes. When you learn, you write. And that, that's bringing huge value in building the relationship. Right. And I'll give you the biggest um, secret, and I hope this is what everybody takes out of this show because you try and teach them one thing. The biggest um, customer retention tool is you go to Walmart or Sam's Club or Big Lots, whatever, and you buy a plastic bucket. You put some soap in it, some rags, some armor all. You put one of your company T-shirts, all of your trinkets and trash, a free oil change. You tie it up really beautiful with saran 
wrap and you put a big bow on it with your card and you donate one to everybody that wants a, a raffle prize or a silent auction gift because these baskets valued at whatever, $100, sit on a table at these charity events with hundreds of community leaders and members walking around looking at certified autos donated this $100 basket and people bid on it and 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 there's Kiwanis and Rotary and Idis and you know in our town there's a dozen different people that you know have these silent auctions and we make my wife just makes up 20 baskets and sticks them in the the closet and when somebody comes in here you go boom and and it just is for 20 bucks you, you can buy all the items and, it, and it's just amazing how people appreciate that as, as far as customer retention. Community involvement goes beyond just financial, doesn't it, guys? Oh, yeah. It's being out and about and, and you know, having your name on a, a banner at a Little League um, is community involvement. You know, any, anywhere people go or, or congregate, you want your name to come up, whether it be, you know, your logo, um, and, and then there's a feel good part of it. You know, you know, there, there's three, four times a year we'll, we'll have a customer that wants to, to get rid of a car. Maybe maybe the transmissions out of it or something like that. And, and if they donate it to a, a local church or, or, or a woman's shelter, I mean, we'll fix the car and, and we'll we'll give it to them so they can give it to, to somebody in need. I mean, that, that to me, that goes further than donating than writing a check to a national organization. While that still has some financial tied into it, CARM. It's got a whole lot more do good, feel good into it. And not only does the community feel good that you do that, you feel good. Your employees feel good that you're doing stuff like that. Once again, you're in front of these people. You have got to – cars are built better, last longer, and need less service repair and maintenance than they have in the past. So people need you less often, and we have to make sure that we're in front of those people when they do need us. If you had a social media strategy or a marketing strategy to stay in front of your customer, it's harder than ever because you used to see them more often, right? And you would almost know within two or three months, I haven't seen this person yet. So you lose track if it's only twice a year, you may have lost that person. But you, you know, the timeline just doesn't help you realize that, which then takes your energy and your money, your marketing strategies, your marketing money, and you put it in other areas like car care clinics like this, the, the social piece that you were just talking about in, in helping the community, mail-in car care clinics uh, for, for all the customers, for just women. What's your take on that? I think they're a great opportunity for you to do more than one thing at a time. First of all, you get to establish expertise. Second of all, you get to look them in the eye and meet them face to face. And you know, you take the, the, the basket idea that Gene had and you give that small basket to everybody who comes to that. It's amazing how many people are going to call you because now it's a personal relationship. It's not a stranger fixing my car. And I, I was involved in one in Southern California. First one he ever did. We had 33 women come on a Saturday morning and it was very basic. Before they left that day during the event, he had four of them make appointments and over the next week, 25 or 30% more, aside from the ones that already did it, called and scheduled appointments because they saw the facility, they met the employees, they developed a relationship because now it's not fearful. 
you know, most of what we do is scary. They don't know what's wrong with their car. They don't know how much going to cost and they're stressed out. Get them in a non-stressed out state and, and you can you can sell the relationship better. And, you know, Ron brought up a great point. The banner at Little League is great and your logo on their, their um, uniforms. Go to the games. Introduce yourself. Make that personal connection because they'll they'll be more than likely a customer after that because not only did they see your logo and sign, but they met you. And personally, I think uh, owners don't get out of their shops often enough and do the social, the real social, not just the social media, but the real social of walking up to somebody and shaking their hand. I mean, Carm, you've been to trade shows, right? We spend thousands of money to be at a trade show and we stand in our booths and we don't talk to anybody when they walk by. We don't shake their hands. That's kind of what marketing is for the repair shop. You got to walk out in the aisle. You got to stop somebody and say, good morning. How are you? Shake their hand. Can I help you with anything? And uh, all of that is just part of a bigger package. Delivery, the car proper, the social media, the rest of your advertising, smiling when they walk in the door, remembering the car's name. Absolutely, Gene. That's huge. But that's got to be continuous. And that's how you gain more people is you go out and shake their hands. Ron, I want to go to, to you with this question about pre-booking and the value that pre-booking brings to the retention fact. It helps even out the, the peaks and valleys. And initially, it wasn't something that I believed into. Uh, but at the time I, I started doing this, I was in a 20 group and, and they, I got the nickname the implementer when I was in there because they would tell me to do something. I'd just go back and implement it. And then when, if it didn't work, I'd go back and say, hey, guys, this didn't work. But, but this actually worked. But you have, to, you have to have your whole team on board. So uh, it's no different than going to the dentist. You know, I was just to the dentist uh, last week. And when I left there, what did I leave with? I left, left with dental floss. I have no idea what to use that for. Uh, a toothbrush. And my appointment six months from now. And we need to do the same thing. And, and so when somebody's in to get their, their oil changed, I mean, we, most of us have pre predictive software in our computers. We know how much they drive. I mean, you can say three months or four months or whatever the, whatever the time frame is. That's irrelevant. But determine when they need to come in next and make their appointment. And you're going to get some pushback. Like, well, I don't know what I'm doing four months from now. Well, let's just pencil something in. We'll call you three days before. And if it doesn't work, we'll reschedule it. But now you've got their commitment. Isn't that the key when people push back and they, they're not comfortable with doing the dentist type of pre-book with you? You just need to bring them down a notch and say, hey, look, if it doesn't work, when it gets closer, we'll, we'll, we'll reschedule. Yeah. If you don't have the car, then we'll take it off the books. But you've got a commitment. You've got a reason to talk to them about it. You've got a reason to reach out to them. You can, you know, that's why they can get a text message, an email, whatever kind of a reminder system you have. They're in the system now because what we're doing Without pre-booking and what a lot of shops are doing, many, many shops, they're utilizing software to reach out to the people and say, hey, it's been three months since you had your oil changed. You're about due. Click here if you want to make an appointment. Wouldn't it be cooler to reach out and say, hey, it's been three months since you had your oil changed. Here is the appointment you made. That's peace of mind in my, in my world. That's, that's all about retention. Gene, do you do anything like that? Absolutely. And... and what I caution the most owners, the biggest mistake, and I made it as well several years ago, is the consistency. Most owners will, when they're slower or have the time or their advisors will do really well at booking the appointment, setting the expectation, 
contacting them, doing all the phone calls. And then the summer comes, they're busy as all bejesus and they forget it. So there's a three month period or four month or however long that they don't do it. And so the customers are smart and they say, well, he's just making the appointment because he wants more dollars out of me, not because he cares about me. So it's really important to, to keep that consistency and having a person in your shop um, in charge of that. And I'm very fortunate to have an office manager and that's what she does is make sure those uh, appointments are followed up on. They get a phone call, a letter, uh, whatever, you know, we have multiple ways of contacting, you know, our, our customers. And I agree with Ron setting an appointment is too finite for most customers scheduling a, a, a month, a week for a visit. And we're going to contact you within that time frame. seems to be more satisfying to most people because they don't know what they're going to do. And, and so we schedule a, you know, a, a, a time versus a dedicated 10 o'clock on this day, your appointment is. Consistency, I think, in just about anything that we do, uh, but but especially if you're trying to break in something new and a new and a new system and a new paradigm with customers. Ron, I have a question that came in from Barry. It says, "Ask Ron if you have a call to action on the uh, on the like page." Uh, after all on the social part. Now, I think I know what Barry is saying. When you do any kind of uh, posting, do you need to have a call to action? I think he means uh, you know when you post something on there. Uh, is there a reason for somebody to comment, like it? I mean, a call to action to get people to interact with you. On many of our posts, there are, you know, it might be, you know, post a picture of a dog driving a car and, and you know, write a caption to this or, or click like if, if, if you agree with this. I, I think that's what he's asking. Well, how about this? You're, you're doing a post and somewhere there, if they like your post and they may not be a customer and someone shared it, is there a way for them to get to your homepage? Well, there should be. There better be. If you love the craziness, you know, at Ron's place, call us, connect with us, email us, set an appointment, a call to action. Absolutely. You need to have that on there. We want to have a call to action. Gene, um, let's get into something that's never fun to talk about. Uh, you know, it's, it's a plan and a budget. And, you know, let's, let's call retention what it really is. It's, it's part of your marketing strategy. What can you tell us about you know, having a plan and a budget for this? Well, every owner, and, and of course, you know, 10 years ago, it was, I was the king of wing. You just threw money out there and hope it work. And then we got, you know, smarter with some friends in our, in our different groups. And, and of course, uh, I've said it before on the show, you R&D, you rip off and duplicate other guys' ideas. And, and you have to set a percentage aside. And of that percentage of your sales for budgeting, some has to be new acquisition, some has to be customer retention and and some has to be, you know, WAIs, I call them wild ass ideas. And um, so you need to, to spread out the money. And for me, I put a heavily um, a big budget on my retention because I do a hard copy newsletter and it's very expensive. And we send it to 800 or 1,000 people every month, not every quarter. So uh, we, we do do different customer retention pieces like that because my customer database, my demographics dictates that and, and want that. And the one, and then we also do it on email for the other people that are outside of our, our, our target areas just to keep it fresh. Um, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, people say three, five, six, 8%, however, you know, your budget of your sales, 
you know, we usually try and run four to 6%. And then, you know, I break it up depending on, you know, it's a personal choice for an owner to figure out, you know, do I need retention? Do I need new acquisition? Do I need some crazy idea? I want to try and see if it, you know, people will react to it, which is, you know, I do all the time. I throw different things out there. And if I don't get a response, I'm a loser. If I get response, I'm a hero for that day. So. It's your money. I guess you can do whatever you want with it, but it's refreshing to hear that you love to throw some wild stuff up on the wall to see if it sticks. And you, and you have to list out everything, every, you know, your, your marketing plan and budget, you need to t-shirts, hundred dollars a month, pens, $20 a month. You have to list everything else and put a dollar value to that. Otherwise you, you won't know what you're doing or where it's going. You know, I'm, um, you know, newsletters, if you do a direct mail, if you do Facebook, if you, you know, have a website, if you do pay-per-click, you need to list everything very specific so you know where the money's going. The hardest thing to track is, you know, ROI on marketing. It's super challenging to figure out what works, what brings the money. So a lot of us just throw it out there and hope it works. It is refreshing to, to hear you say that, Gene, that, that is, I think that is probably the most important thing in a shop is to have a marketing plan, a marketing calendar, and a marketing budget. If you have a plan, you'll get there. And if you fund it, it will happen. And I just sat here with a big smile when you were saying that, Gene, I have been a proponent of that for years. I mean, that's what makes you successful. You know, we set our calendar for a year with, with yeah. all some other you know, people and we go, Monday is going to be a Facebook post of this every week. Uh, you know, newsletter goes out this date. So for me, my office gal sends me a thing. Hey, we need newsletters getting ready. We need content. So everybody in our company knows when these different marketing pieces are going to hit. And it's not a surprise to anybody. And it really just, oh my gosh, it just smooths out. And, and it makes me, the owner, look like you know, the hero that I am because I have great staff doing all this work for me. Big takeaway for me is that whole marketing planning budget piece. I, I, I just love it. I'm pinching myself to realize the success that you have with snail mail, direct mail newsletter um, in, in an age where the, it's not done that much. So my question, my curious question, because that's I, I'm always curious about when I when I hear about stuff like this that's still going on. When people come in and talk about the newsletter, what do you hear? Well, the biggest thing is how challenging the puzzle is to get through because we always put a, um, a word search, uh, a where's Waldo, a find the bunny that looks the same. We always have something. And if they bring it in correct, then they're in a drawing for a dinner certificate for that month. And, and my, the, the biggest thing is my fleet account came in and thanked me the other day because the puzzle drove his entire staff crazy. Nobody could figure it out. And it was the big talk of the whole company because nobody could figure out Gene's puzzle in the newsletter. So you don't think that's powerful. It, it's unbelievable. What do they say? Uh, priceless, everything else. There's MasterCard. Or that's just priceless. One of the things that, um, you know, absolutely, you know, Gene and Ron are correct. You got to have a plan. But here's the point that I'll add to that. The plan needs to be at least a year in length, and it needs to be in writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, one of the things that we've done for our client base is we actually put together an Excel spreadsheet that allows them to plan the year out. 
And as Jean said, you know, on this week, we're doing a Facebook post, even to the point where one young lady put down in February, she buys cr the Christmas cards for the next year. And it's on her marketing calendar because she buys them at the closeout rate because Christmas just ended. So um, if you'd like, Carm, anybody that wants that marketing calendar, if you'll forward me their contact information, I'll send it to them as an Excel spreadsheet to help them with their initial plan. Okay, Carm at RemarkableResults.biz. Yeah, hell, this will go on forever, so are you prepared? Yep. I'll just send you the raw file, and you can you can do with it as you please. Malin, when you think about retention, when you think about building customer loyalty, do you have to think about your own world's experiences, the people that you buy from? For an example, if I had to have a roof put on my house or some roofing, there's only one company that I think of because... I know their expertise, their experts, I trust them, they've done work for me in the past. Do we need to make sure that the the world we walk through in our own lives, we do the same stuff to build the retention in our own companies? I, I don't believe there's any other way to do this. You know, I, I have this sickness everywhere I go. I analyze every company I walk into. From the little donut shop I walked to this morning to have a cup of coffee, to Disneyland, I I look at it as, okay, what's their average repair order? What's their car count? You know, it may be people count, but what's their car count? I look at their marketing and I think, okay, how can I take this? You know, some great places, Southwest Airlines. I fly them 30 times a year or more. I don't buy them. I don't use them for price. I use them because I love the people. Everybody's happy. They smile. They're just a good company. Hilton's a great property to stay at. I, I like Hertz because I walk out and my car is ready for me. I don't have to go stand in line. So as a professional traveler, they're, they're getting it. I don't want to stand in line. I want to be treated special. I don't want to stand with 400 people on vacation to get my room. So we need to look at everybody and say, how can we adapt that to our business? You know, can we, one of the biggest complaints I get from most people is I don't want to stand here while you fill out paperwork to drop my car off. So part of customer retention is answering that problem of, I don't have time while you fill out the repair order, which we have to do. Could we pre-write it? Could we have it done in advance? There's, you know, all these little ways of fixing things. And, you know, kind of a common theme here was, as the implementer, implementer said, <laughs> is the key to this is it's not up to Gene to do that. It's up to him to get his staff to do that. And as somebody who's been in hundreds of repair shops, the biggest problem I see is we all have the greatest ideas in the world, but the owner's trying to implement everything and it never happens. You know, as Gene said, I got a marketing calendar. I have somebody that makes that work. If everybody out there would run their business where they weren't the most important person in it and they had to do everything and learn to delegate, a lot of this would come easier. Our job as owners is to set the tone, so how the customer is supposed to be treated, what our marketing is, what our retention rates are, and how we're going to accomplish this. And then we need to coach our staff to provide that level of service. Um, I walked in a hotel the other day, and the whole front desk, all four young ladies, were laughing. They were having a great time. But one of them stopped, looked at me, and called me by name. I see this hotel one time every eight weeks. And she remembered my name. And I walked up and I was laughing when I got to them because they were having a good time. That was the comment I made to the general manager who I sought out just to compliment him on their staff.
So you think about when they come into our facilities, what are they seeing? They see a service rider stressed out, overworked, um, you know, technicians walk by them and don't say anything to them or ignore them or, you know, there's this, the whole personal experience goes a long ways towards retention. And it's the least important thing to most of us because it's the way it always is at the shop. So happy employees, a clean environment, you know, we talk about that all the time, but if you go visit repair shops, it's not the norm. So what you're saying is retention starts when the wheel hits the driveway. Actually, retention starts when the phone rings. That too. Because if the service writer answers the phone, it says, what? And they don't say those words, but their tone says, I'm busy, you're bothering me, or I don't like what I'm doing today. I think we have to remember that when most people call us, they have a problem. You know, as, I, as I say in class all the time, auto repair isn't sexy. Nobody gets up and goes, yes, I get to buy a brake job today. You know? So it's stressful. They're late for work. They got the kids. They want to come someplace that says, we got this. We'll take care of you. Fixing the cars is a small problem. Making that customer get to work on time or pick the kids up or have peace of mind, that's what brings them back. Because, you know, I think Ron brought it up. There's a ton of people who fix cars. The real thing is what's the differential? What makes them think of us above everybody else? And I think that's lost because most of us are busy fixing cars. This was a phenomenal little show, show, seminar, documentary. It was great. Customer retention. Thank you all for being here. Wise stuff. Huge takeaways. Listen to learn just one thing, right, Gene? That's how it works. Ron, uh, give us a summary. I guess my summary would be figure out who your customer is or who you want them to be and be what they want you to be. Powerful. I think we could put that on granite. Thank you. Short, simple, two sentences. I love it. That you always you always hit it home, Ron. Thank you. Thank you. And Gene, we'll, we're going to give you the last word. Remember, 20% of your database is eight, generates 80% of your capital. So make sure that you take care of the, the 20% through you know, your programs and your happiness calls and touching them and identifying who they are. And, and the biggest thing that we didn't get to is when things go sideways and customer comes back, don't blame the customer for something. Take care of it, whatever the cost. That's the biggest fear I think customers have today is when something goes wrong, them coming back and saying something's wrong. Take care of them. Empower your people to take care of them. Don't be the what do I do boss guy all the time. Make sure, you know, there's a, something in place that your staff can take care of everybody. I encourage everyone to read the book Extreme Ownership because that is all about accepting responsibility. And uh, it taught me some great lessons some I, that I already learned. Powerful stuff. Well, thank you, Ron Haugen, Gene Morrill, Malin Newton. Thanks for just, you hit it out of the ballpark, guys. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.